If you're a parent, you've uh, heard this phrase a lot if you have kids. And they start saying this much younger than we think they should. Leave me alone. I want to do it myself. Every child goes through that and every parent faces it. They want to do it themselves. They want to be on their own. They want to be independent. They want to show that they're growing up. Let me do it myself. Don't help me. And as, as good parents, we oftentimes say, okay, have at it. Sometimes knowing the outcome that's coming. They're going to fall on their face. They're going to crash and burn. It's not going to work. But we do that not to be mean to them, but because we know they have two important lessons to learn. The one is the obvious one. They need to learn that there's things they can do on their own. They don't need mom and dad around, and they need to learn that, that independence. But there's another lesson, and in some ways I would say it is the more important lesson. And that is sometimes when they fail, they can't do it. They also need to learn the lesson that sometimes they need to ask for help. That sometimes there's things in life that we can't handle on our own. And we need to be able to know that and that it's okay to say, help me. I need help. We're not supposed to do everything on our own. I think that's a lesson that Paul wrestled with. I think Paul was of that personality. He very much wanted to do everything on his own. He was clearly a very strong leader, a strong individual, gifted, talented. He had all the pieces. And he had to accomplish a lot on his own. But he also had a lesson to learn, and that is you can't do everything on your own. And he didn't learn that lesson easily. In 2 Corinthians 12, there's a passage that's very popular where Paul sort of gave a little confession of himself and what he had struggled to learn with God and how God works with us, worked with Paul. I want to read the passage and then I want to read a paraphrase I wrote of the passage. But first of all, this is what Paul literally wrote. In order to keep me from becoming conceited because of some things I had learned spiritually, parentheses, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect, made complete, in weakness. Then Paul's speaking, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I think part of what Paul was saying there was, God fix me so I can get back to doing it myself. And Paul said, I'm not going to fix you, because I don't want you to do it yourself. Um, Read along as I put this in a paraphrase. This is what I think Paul was saying. To keep me from thinking that I could do it all myself, 
I was hit with a terrible recurring illness that regularly ruins all I'm trying to do. I've repeatedly pleaded with you to fix me so I can get busy doing everything I want to do for you. But you have refused. You have left me suffering and frustrated. Instead of fixing me so I can do life on my own, you've helped me endure this illness and you've taught me that your incredible power can only be fully understood when a hopeless situation is miraculously turned around, when an impossible victory happens. So now I think I get it, and I'm happy to live with my weakness and limitations, because then you can come and show everyone how powerful you are. I, and I get to watch you work miracles before my own eyes. That's way better than what I could have done on my own. I think that's the lesson that God wanted Paul to learn. And I think to some degree, like those small children, like Paul, we all wrestle with that. It's part of our independent nature. We want to do it ourselves, even if we're talking about good things for God. Just like, God, watch me do this for you. And yet there is a principle throughout Scripture that God tells us up front about that I don't want you to do it all in yourself. I want you to learn to work with me. I want you to learn to depend on me. That's not a weakness. In fact, it's a strength. And that's opposite to how we think. We think needing God is a weakness, and God says, no, it's not. In fact, you will be stronger if you don't try and do it yourself, and if you depend on me. And so he comes back to Paul and he says, Paul, I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to remove this disability that keeps knocking you on your back. Because if I do heal you, you're going to run off and do it in Paul's strength. And that's not how you're going to be the strongest, Paul. So I'm going to leave it for you. I've said before, the best scholars I've seen think he had malaria. It was rampant in his part of Turkey where he had been born and raised. And every once in a while when Paul was just busy holding a revival and leading hundreds of people to Christ, malaria had hit and he'd be on his back. And he really let God have it. Do you see what I'm doing for you? And here this malaria comes back. What's up, God? God says, Paul, if I healed you of malaria forever, you'd never turn to me again. And I want you to see what together in my power will reach even more people with your malaria than you could do without. And Paul, to his credit, finally got it. He quit fighting with God. It took him a while. Three rounds. And But finally, Paul says, I get it. I get it. Not relying on me and depending on you, we really are getting more done. More people are being touched. There's a bigger impact this way. So God, have at it. Knock me down again because then I'm going to be able to sit from and lay on my bed and watch and hear what you're doing in your power. And that's way better. 
So I almost get excited when the malaria hits again because I know I'm going to hear some new stories of what you're doing in your power without me. And that is really awesome. Jesus said the same thing. The same concept. He tells us in advance. It's that famous passage, you've heard it. Remain in me as I also am going to remain in you. I'm going to remain in you. Now the challenge is, will you remain in me? No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus lived in, a, in an area of the world where vineyards were common. This is common stuff people saw every day. And they knew, in a sense, Jesus was using a little humor here because it was so absurd. And they all knew that. Have you ever seen a branch having grapes without it being attached to the trunk? I was like, well, duh. And he said, well, like it or not, that's how you are. And you have as much chance of having a lot of fruit in your life if you're not attached to me as that branch does if it gets cut off the trunk. So you better stay attached to me because that's when you're going to have all kinds of fruit in your life. What Jesus was trying to say is, I need to tell you, you're never going to be strong followers of mine. You're never going to be strong Christians. You're never going to see what you want to see in your life or out of your life if you don't stay hooked on to me, depending on me, looking to me. It's the same lesson God had to teach Paul. Now, the question I want to ask us today and I want us to think about is, does this apply to churches? We often and usually start of how that applies to each of us as individual Christians. How do each of us stay attached to the vine, to Jesus? But today I want us to ask that question another way. Is this true for churches as well? Well, let me take it first of all to say, do churches ever try and do things in their own power, on their own? Yeah, they do. Does it work? Well, yes and no. Yes, in the sense of do churches accomplish some things? Well, of course they do. And we see churches all the time doing programs, running ministries, building buildings, whatever, in their own power. And are some good things done? Of course. So do they accomplish some things? Yes. But could they do more in God's power? Beyond a doubt. The truth is, if we want God to come and do amazing things, if we want to stand back and say, wow, look what God did, that'll never happen if we're doing things in our power. It's when churches, it's when a group of Christians stop and pray and seek God and say, God, we need you to come here and work. That's when things start happening where it's like, wow, wow, look what God did. 
that's God's challenge for us. Because I think Paul would say to us from his lesson, from his bed, as he lay there with malaria, don't focus on what you can do in your power. There's a better way. Seek God, come to him, work in his power, wait on him, and you will be amazed at what God does. There's a psalm we use a lot. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. David had learned this same lesson. If I try and do things in my power and ability and energy and thinking, it's going to be mediocre at best and it may just fall flat on its face. But if I'm trying to live and work and do things in God's power, amazing things can happen. That's why I entitled the sermon, Not Depending on God is Foolish. Well, all of this comes down to our church, and that's why we're talking about this today. We've been looking at Vision Tune. We've been trying to step back and say, how is this church, ACC, how are we doing? But even more importantly, we want to see God's future. What does he want us to look like? What does he want us to be, do? How does he want to use us? And as that has come together over a two-year process, a word has surfaced. And you've seen it before. It's on a banner that has reappeared. And it's the word move. Wasn't my word. Somebody else came up with it. I think it's great. Because it's just sort of a great summary word that says, God has moved here. And we get to celebrate and enjoy as we sit here and worship and our kids have classes and church and, and our youth are doing things and we have missionaries. and There's all kinds of things. We're blessed because God has moved here. And he's used people and they've let him use them. And he's moved. God is moving now. I look around at your faces and your stories and some of you are here because God is moving now. And some of you's lives and families and homes are changing because God is moving now. And it's, it's just such a, a blessing, such a fun thing to hear these stories and see what God is doing. But we also are convinced God's not finished. He's not ready to put us on the shelf and say, wow, that was a great time. We're convinced, in fact, God has done that moving and is moving now because there's more he wants to do through this group of Christians called Andover Christian Church. We just, we're convinced of that. And as we've tried to say and pray and ask God, how do we do this? How, how do you want us to move? How does this look? To move forward, four things came to the surface. Four priorities. Focus on this. This is important. Make sure you're doing this. And so four things have come to us as the leadership. And 
coincidentally, there's four lines on this drawing. I'll never be a comedian, but the drawing was created with four lines intentionally. Because there's four priorities that have impressed upon us that God wants us to focus on. And in the month of April, we're going to talk about those four priorities. And then you're actually going to be free of me bringing this up again and again. Because then it'll be a time to live it and do it. But today, we want to talk about those priorities. And one of them. Because we're convinced to move forward in God's plans, being the church he wants, those need to be our priorities. And that first priority we want to talk about today is depending on God more and more. What we've been talking about, the lesson Paul learned, the lesson Jesus was saying, you have to be attached to me. The lesson David learned that he said, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. That for us to move forward as a church, one of the first things we need to put in place, I like to think of it as that biggest blue line, is that we are a church that is depending on God more and more. We're not depending on the ministers, we're not depending on the elders, we're not depending on all the people. We're depending on God. And we want God to be at the foundation. We want to be God that we are about. That we are Jesus' church. And it's in His power, His leading, His direction that we're going to move forward. And we're not even going to try and do it on our own. That that needs to be a priority. Something that we are about. Now, how does a church do that? What's that look like? Well, in some real quick general ways, a church that's doing that is going to focus on God. They're going to dig into the Scripture, and they're going to pray, and they say, God, what's important to you? And it's not just about a bunch of humans getting together and saying, what do we want to do next year? It's a bunch of Christians getting together and asking God what he wants to do next year. The focus is on him. It's Christians who are listening for God and praying and asking, saying, show us what you want. Show us, press upon us what you care about. Or an opportunity, you want us to walk through that door. And we'll listen. It's people who talk to God. And are willing to wait on God until he shows, until he leads who are relying on God's help and are willing to take risks because of depending on God, not just some lottery or some roll of the dice. If we're going to depend on God and rely on Him, there is one key piece, and that's prayer. It's not that prayer makes us depend on God. God hit me with that this week as I was working on the sermon. Because the truth is, and probably we've all been there, we can pray a lot and still depend on ourselves. I can ask God to help all my efforts work, because I'm going to go do it for him, but I'll pray. But I don't think you can do the other. I don't think you can live depending on God without praying and talking to him a lot. 
I don't know how you would do that. I don't know how that would work. And so if we're going to be a church that depends on God and moves in His leading and in His power, then prayer is going to be a priority for us. It's how we move. It's how God leads. It's how God gives us power. Prayer is how we make sure that we're depending on God, not ourselves. Prayer is how we make sure we're going in His direction, not our direction. How we're doing what He wants, not what we want. Now, how does all that look? How does that work? Well, I have a plan to show you. No, I don't. I, I need to... Yeah, I got time. I got to tell you a little thing that happened because I, I am one of my proudest moments of our elders. We're coming through this whole process. We've got these four priorities. And a lot of the other leaders look to the elders, which is where they should look, and say, okay, how do we do this? Tell us what to do. Give us the plan. And so I dutifully run to the elders and say, okay, guys, what are we going to tell them? What's the plan? And they wisely said, we're not sure. God hasn't told us that. We're not sure he'll tell us that. He's going to tell the church. He's pretty much shown us these are the four priorities. We're going to have to figure it out together with him in the coming months and years. I think that's the right answer. I think too often, and I, I am guilty of, I have been guilty of this. Too often we make our plan and we lay it out and here's how we're going to depend on God and here's the next ten steps that we figured out. And what I'm saying to you is if we're really depending on God, then we've depended on Him to say this is a priority. And now we have to work with Him as He shows us how to be a church that depends on Him. What's that going to look like in every one of our ministry teams? What's that going to look like in our classes? What's that going to look like in all that we're doing? We're depending on Him. And if we're asking Him to show us and we're praying... He's going to show us that just as much as this works in every one of our lives and families. How do we live our lives in our homes depending on God? Ask him. He'll show us. How do we live our lives individually? Build a career. Be the person I am. But do that relying on God and looking to him like Paul did. Like David did. Ask him. Let him show you. He will. And I believe he is excited by a group that comes to him and says, God, we want to live for you. We want to rely on you. We want you to be in charge, you to lead, your power. And he says, oh, great. You're listening. You're going to let me help you. You're going to let me lead you. These are the kind of people I can do some really cool things through. I can't wait. That's where we are. I believe God has big plans for our church. I, th I see neat things happening now. And I think we're just beginning to see what God can do. Whether that's out in the community, 
whether that's in missions around the world, whether it's in families and friends that are sitting here right now or that will be here in six months because of things God's going to do through some of us that we don't even know about yet. I think God is just getting started with what he can do. He says, watch me. As Jesus says, you stay hooked to me and you're going to have all kinds of grapes. As Paul learned, when I'm on my back with malaria and God works, it's amazing what he does. There's one more passage in Hebrews 11. This is the Hall of Fame of Faith. If you've never heard that phrase, chapter Hebrews 11 lists all these great people of God throughout history. And towards the end of the chapter, he runs out of paper, papyrus, vellum, and says, i got to summarize here because I'm running out of space. That's my summary. What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. There's so many more to tell you about who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Catch this. Whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed armies. How? Because their weakness turned to strength because they relied on God. They moved, the writer says, through faith. I believe that's us. I believe God says, I have been moving in this church for 55, I don't know, years. And I'm there now. But you haven't seen anything of what I can do. But if God is going to do that, prayer has to be a central part of what we're doing. And that's part of what I, that's the practical takeaway we have that at the bottom of the cards. I'd like you to think about that as we conclude today. I'd like to th- you to think about that and maybe write something down for your sake. Because sometimes writing things down make them stick. And that's why we put that on there. What about you personally? What do you need to do to depend on God more and do less on your own? Will you write that down? What about as a family, if you're married, if you have kids? What is it that you need to do that your family is more depending on God? But if you're a part of this church, what can you do? That's the third question to write down. What can you do to make sure this church is depending more on God and not just ourselves? If you're in a ministry team, If you're in a group, a class, a study, whatever you're in in this church, what can you do to help us figure out how we depend on God more? We follow His leading. We depend on His power. Because if we do that, 
that's how we become the church he wants us to be. The church he can use to do amazing things as we move forward with him. But I want you to look at that blue line every time you see this and remember the center of all this is depending on God, not ourselves. Let's pray. Father, I, we have prayed for two years that you would work and lead and show us things. And I believe you have and are. Because you're showing us fundamental spiritual principles that we need to understand. And chief among them is depending on you. Help us grow in prayer. Grow in listening to you. So that we're not just closer to you. We're depending on you more. And I know that excites you to see a group of people want to give you control. Want to rely on you. You are able. We've sung it and we're going to sing it again. You are that God. Help us open up this church so you can come and be that God here. In your son's name, amen.